0: Sucks. Let's see here. Birdland BS Podcast, huh? Let's give that a try. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Birdland BS Podcast, a Baltimore-based podcast with a lot of BS opinions. I am Matt Talley, and with me, as always, is the ubiquitous Fred
1: Donahue. Ubiquitous?
0: Ubiquitous.
1: Is that like a spelling bee challenge-like word? (laughs) I don't know. What does that even mean? I'm telling you. Present, appearing,
0: or found everywhere. Okay.
1: Found everywhere. So I'm kind of like the Brady Anderson of oh yeah you're everywhere so watch <laughs> out you're
0: you're the you're the brady anderson big brother nice of our podcast <laughs> what's going on man how
1: was your week uh week was good man uh had a good sales week at work that's always good That puts me in a good mood see i can i can listen to that and i can take it as genuine
0: because uh you didn't say that the last time that we recorded this podcast
1: yeah this is part
0: do <laughs> yeah so for those of you listening We recorded a podcast, and we tried some new things, and we'll probably try them next week because those new things screwed up the entire podcast. Bunch of amateurs. Ended up ruining all the audio on my end, which means that we have to re-record the entire podcast that is to say that everything that we say and everything that we do on this episode is completely disingenuous
1: <laughs> very true
0: oh man so uh let's uh let's just go ahead and jump into things uh i'll let you take the
1: reins all right well uh let's start off with something easy uh we'll start off with the nba all right not a whole lot going on with the wizards this week or anything um However, they did win big tonight. Uh they won by 20 over the Nets. So since last week they've gone 3 and 2. All three of their wins have been home. They lost two easily winnable games i mean one was to the rival celtics which that was kind of an important game i wish we would have won the disappointing losses to the hornets obviously that's a team we should have never lost to but to beat the bulls the hawks and the nets at home uh it's good it's just one achilles heel to this team is they've never played well on the road they were starting to there for a little while but uh things have kind of fallen off uh lately on the road again But currently they sit at 43 and 28. They're three and a half back of Cleveland for first, two and a half back from Boston uh, for the second seed. And they have a half game lead over Toronto for third. So, Still in that, you know, striking distance of possibly taking the uh, Eastern Conference. Yeah, absolutely. The top three for sure. And John Wall had another monster game tonight, and he's played up to his all-star level like we expect him to week in and week out and game in and game out. He he actually spoke out on a topic that uh, caught my ear. It's it's a topic that's been going on for the past six or seven years. But really got brought to the surface again recently. And it, it has to do with star players sitting out during back to back games to try to save them for the playoffs. What's your take on that? Well, uh, I, I kind of have mixed feelings towards it because I
0: get it from both ends of the spectrum. I get it when it comes to sport and competition. You want the best out of your players. You want to have an edge. You want to do whatever it takes to you know, make sure that that edge, if you are leading like, uh, let's say, the Cavs are. Because I think the Cavs are the ones that really set it off this right. week because they, they benched the right. big three. If you want that edge to continue into the playoffs and make sure that your guys are healthy... You can do that. I don't necessarily have a problem with it at all. But I do get the fan issue when it comes to wanting to see your favorite players play. So uh, I think there it's a double-edged sword. Well,
1: that's, that's kind of where my side lies is I look at it from my perspective, right? So I'm a fan. Uh, so I look at it from a fan's point of view. You know, if I had a son that, let's say my son was a big LeBron James fan. Right. I live here in Baltimore. I don't have an NBA team to cheer for. The closest thing that we have is the Wizards. So the closest we'd be able to come to watch LeBron play would be going to a Wizards game and watching you know, LeBron play there. So, you know, theoretically, let's just say, you know, I've spent all this money on a LeBron James jersey and $300 on LeBron James shoes and tickets to a game, which... NBA tickets are ridiculously priced in compared to other professional sports out there.
0: Can we stop right there? If you've spent all this money on LeBron James gear, you're a terrible parent. What? Do not do not buy How all can you that say LeBron that? Because it's LeBron. You don't want to buy a bunch of LeBron crap it's, for it's your kid. My kid's
1: oh. It's my kid's idol. Oh it's my kid's idol. You didn't have God. an idol that you it's looked your, up to. It's, it's your imaginary kid's idol. Right. You, you <laughs> Listen, you never owned a pair of Michael Jordan shoes in your day?
0: I did not. See, no. I did. I did own uh, skater shoes, like name brand, like this This particular skater I wore in okay. you know, Airwalks and, and DC and all that stuff. Well, so, yeah, similar. I guess I get it it's a little similar. bit. Yeah. When,
1: you're, when your kid cries, baby gets what baby wants, that type of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. anyway, my point is you spend all this money on going to these games, and it's not like the team um plans for it. It's not like they give you notice a week or two ahead of time to let you know that hey, LeBron and, and company are gonna be sitting on the bench for this game, so you might not want to come to this game if you're a LeBron fan. They don't give you any kind of notice. So your kid who has been anticipating this game for the past however long you've told him, you know, that he's got tickets to go to this game, goes and is upset because his his favorite player is sitting on the bench. And it's not because he's hurt. It's not because he can't play. It's because the coach and the the owner thinks that, well, it might be better for the longevity of this person's career or it might be better for the long, the playoff run. My thing with that is though that the season's 82 games long, right? That hasn't changed. It hasn't gotten longer. It hasn't shortened. It's been 82 games forever. You mean to tell me, that now there's something that's holding these players up from being able to play a full 82 game schedule their contract tells them otherwise
0: yeah i guess what what it comes down to is is this entertainment or is this competition right. are they being paid to entertain people and and be there and be present or are they being paid to come and play the game and it's part and, of everything it's, and it all ties I, yeah, together. it's, it's yeah, it's both. Really, it is. It's 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 a it's a gray area. It's they're getting paid to come and play and win, right? But they're also getting paid to come and entertain the people because if nobody comes, then it doesn't matter what they do,
1: right? But the only thing I could compare it to, like if you compare it to the major leagues, right? Major leagues, a hundred and sixty-two game series, or hundred sixty-two game season, right? There's going to be times where your favorite players are going to take breaks during a hundred sixty-two games, but chances are you play three games or four games in a city. So if a player takes one game off, he's still there for two or three more opportunities. Basketball isn't like that. You know, basketball is one game per city, and then they move on. So that's that's just the the crappy side of it i would just caution fans when it comes to that because uh
0: we live in a city where a certain someone didn't skip games for a very very long time so much so that he has a big old record for it uh <laughs> and look how well that paid off to us gal <coughs> Ripken. um so uh we'll uh, we'll take that with a, a grain of salt uh moving on uh, we got uh, some nfl news
1: yeah so um not a whole lot of moving around or signings or anything going on with the Ravens right now um, really it's just draft mode and I got to thinking this week you know one thing in regards to the draft with the Ravens it's kind of bothered me over the years is now don't get me wrong Ozzie has earned the reputation of being a great draft expert and he's done well over the years but over the past few years he hasn't lived in my in my eyes. He hasn't lived up to that same standard. And their motto has always been draft the the, the best player available versus drafting towards needs. And that's that's something that I don't necessarily agree with. What do you what do you feel about with that? I don't
0: agree with it at all. Um, just because you you aren't being paid to draft uh, according to, I guess, the best player available. You're you're, you're being paid to organize a team in a particular way that causes them to win. You can make the argument, well, the best player in the draft is, you know, going to increase those chances of winning, but really, that's not necessarily the case. So what are you going to do, you know, if... A wide receiver isn't available or, you know, an offensive tackle isn't available. Are you going to take a running back? Do you need a running back? No, you don't. You're just going to take them for the hell of it. I, I, I don't see right the thought process in that. It
1: doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Right. What about you?
1: Well, I mean, in the past, it's worked. Um I mean, they've got a history. Of, we'll, we'll use linebackers, for instance. I mean, there's been years in the past where we had a plethora of linebackers to the point where they couldn't get on the field. We had so many good linebackers. Yeah. But. You know, are they really that good a linebacker or was it a system type thing? Because, I mean, the minute they moved on to other teams and signed these big deals, typically uh, they floundered. Uh, They didn't do anywhere near what they did here. I think a big part of it is um, the entertainment value. Again, we go
0: back to entertainment value when it comes to sports. And I almost wonder if Ozzy is looking for more of a... Entertainer of a face, of a, of a brand that they can get behind and someone that they can, you know, push towards the media. And that's the guy that's going to get all the pictures. He's going to be the guy that, you know, has the commercials. He's going to be the guy that goes down to Jimmy's Famous Seafood and signs jerseys. He's going to be that guy that everybody wants to be around. I, I, I wonder if if they're looking for a guy that they haven't had in the last few years i wonder if they're looking for a replacement for ray lewis that that marketable face of the team
1: yeah and and i can understand that because you're right i mean since since ray lewis i mean yeah steve smith stepped in and he was kind of the voice of the team and without him god this this team would have had no voice really
0: i am not looking forward to suggs being the voice of this team
1: <laughs>
0: it's it, like i i get that people love his him mouth and he, is you know, hard to look at He looks like an ogre from Lord of the
1: Rings. (laughs) No, but here's the thing. Like, I I, I agree. I think they need a voice, and I think um, they need that leader. I think Eric Weddle can be that type of person. He's done a really good job with, like, recruiting players this year and that type of thing, and he seems to be, you know, a rah-rah guy on the sidelines. But I don't necessarily think you draft towards that no that that happens right that just kind of happens you know you luck out with that type of thing because you really don't know how somebody's going to transition from the college game to the nfl right and 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 there are a lot of teams that don't have that guy i mean i get that a lot
0: of teams have them you have the cam newtons you have the odell beckham juniors you have the aaron Rodgers. you have these really charismatic players uh when it comes to certain teams and other teams. They don't necessarily have those loud, outspoken, get behind me and put me on all the billboards players, but they do just fine. I think the Raiders are a team that are like that. They have a lot of great players, but none of them are like, oh, my God, that guy, he's not in commercials and, you know, maybe gets a a cameo in a movie or anything like that. There are teams that don't need that and still do well for themselves. And I, I wonder if, you know, we're just aiming too
1: too hard for that. Right. Well, this team obviously has holes. This team has some pretty big needs. I just don't see the drafting best player available being the the best model for this team, especially not this draft. No, Mm-mm,
0: right? Because this draft is so heavy on on wide receivers and running backs. You know, that you're gonna you're gonna get a good wide receiver. You're gonna get a good running back. So go with what you need right now. Right.
1: And that's what I'm saying. Like now that we know some of the free agents that we've lost. And now that we know some of the free agents that we've signed and that type of thing, I can kind of come up with a conclusion that we still have a hole and still have a need at wide receiver. We have two big holes at on our offensive line at center and right tackle. Uh, we need pass rush to be able to replace Doomerville and eventually the the loss of Terrell Suggs. That's coming, you know, rather soon.
0: Once uh, once Frodo throws the ring into Mordor, <laughs> Right,
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> And uh, we still need defensive back help. I don't care with the signings and everything. The signings have been great, but we need some We need some youth there. We need some depth there. You know, Jimmy Smith with his injury history and that type of thing, you just can't rely on him. So we need some youth. And again, Weddle is at the tail end of his career. He might have another two or three years at most left in him. Uh, so we need to get some depth in there. And so with that said... I could see them using the best player available if they limit the positions of need. In other yes. words, you know that those four things are your biggest needs. Everybody knows that. I, if I can see it from the outside, Ozzie knows it. Eric DaCosta knows it. The guys there know it. If they know that those four positions are their biggest need, rank those players from 1 to 100 in order. It doesn't have to be you know all wide receivers, all offensive linemen. Rank them all mixed together in your top 100, and then draft from best player available out of that because you're doing two things. You're still sticking to your motto of best player available, but you're also drafting to your need. Uh, And I see that to me being a little bit better of a situation because, yeah, there could be a real pretty quarterback sitting there, but we don't need a quarterback right now. Or like you said, there could be a real pretty running back sitting there, but we've got a pretty deep you know, backfield as far as running backs go. I don't think we need to waste a first round pick on a running back. But speaking of quarterbacks, Colin Kaepernick, he's still out there. Uh, he, he hasn't signed. So what do you think? Do you think their teams are hesitant because of his recent play over the past couple of years? Or do you think teams are hesitant on him more because of his Personal views and, you know, with the state of our country and not standing for the anthem and that type of thing. What do you think the hold up there is with Colin Kaepernick? Yes. (laughs) Simple answer. Yes. (laughs) No, I think that it's
0: both, man. I think that Colin Kaepernick has dug a hole for, him, for himself in in many ways, and I think first and foremost it's with the play. He is a, a shell of himself. He is not the football player that he was years ago. He's not the Colin Kaepernick that we saw in the Super Bowl. That's just not who he is anymore. He lost lots of weight and he got banged up, and, and ever since then he has not played the way that the Colin Kaepernick of old has played, and I think that plays a big role in Wanting to maybe tread lightly when it comes to picking him up. Now, that being said, I think that he has also kind of dug a hole for himself when it comes to the political stuff. That is not to say that I disagree with him because I don't. I think that he has a right to say what he says. I think he has a right to do what he does. You know, when it came to protesting the national anthem, it's not something that he just pulled out of his ass. He he went to people that he knew in the military and, you know, in the police force and said, what can I do that is respectful, but also still gets my point across? And that's right. what they told him. They said, take a knee because, one, you are honoring the fallen. You are honoring what this country was built on. But you are also saying we're not there yet. Right. We have a long way to go. And he did it and he got the backlash that he got for it. But I think Colin Kaepernick is someone that. You know, walks the walk and talks the talk. Yeah, he's done some pretty stupid things. I think the socks was a dumb thing. Right. With the, you know, the bacon or whatever. And then um, some of the t-shirts that he's worn. But, you know, I think when it comes to his actions, his actions speak louder than his words. He has donated, you know, I believe it was $50,000 to Somalia uh, for a GoFundMe campaign recently. And because of that, that GoFundMe campaign... Got funded and got like, I think it was $2 million in over 48 hours wow. because of the attention that he brought to it. He's donated himself, I think it's like 50 tons of food. Uh, he's wow. donated, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to Black Lives Matter. And he has his own charitable organization that he started that reaches out to, you know, Troubled youth in California and he's he's doing something to change the lives of people. So, you know, he's not one of these people that just runs his mouth and, and walks away and has nothing to show for it. I think he backs it up. But that being said. I think there are a lot of teams that are going to want to avoid that, not because they necessarily agree with him. I bet you there are a lot of GMs, a lot of owners that say, you know what, he has the right to do that. And, and maybe I kind of agree with him. But that doesn't mean that they're going to bring him into the locker room. Right. That doesn't mean that they're going to give him a job because they just want to avoid it completely. Right. Whether they agree with him or not, they know that there are people out there who don't agree with him. Right. And that will protest him and that will go out of their way to not go to games if he's going to be there. And they just don't want to bring that into their organization. And as much as I am a people over politics or a people over business kind of person, I don't necessarily fault them for it.
1: Right. Well, let's for a second take everything that you just described. Right. And we'll call that the Kaepernick circus. Okay. that's that's Mm -hmm. that's everything that that Kaepernick brings along with him. Let's set the circus aside for a second. Let's just focus on Kaepernick, the player right yeah so in my eyes like you said the guy has been a shell of himself since the super bowl he has regressed year after year and he doesn't he doesn't have the stats and he doesn't have the ability in my my eyes to be a starting quarterback right now so i think at best he ends up a backup somewhere so with backups the problem that you have, and, and, and this is just my opinion, but typically you want your backup quarterback to be the same fit as your starting quarterback, because if not, let's say you have Tom Brady, for instance, right? So Tom Brady is a pocket passer. Everybody knows that he's a pocket passer and his offensive line and his wide receivers are built around him being a pocket passer, right? They're They're there. They're three hundred and fifty pound guys that can just block and keep the running, you know, keep the, the pass rush off the quarterback and keep him in his pocket. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you had Colin Kaepernick as his backup and him come off the bench, now you've got a quarterback who brings a totally different perspective, a totally different offense with him. Uh this this is a guy who's gonna scramble, who's gonna need an offensive line, who's mobile and can get out and block for him. That's not what their offensive line is built around. So you totally change game plans and you totally change personnel just based on that one position switch. And a lot of teams aren't willing to do that. Yeah, and I, I can understand why they're
0: not willing to do that. But I will say that there are teams that have had some success with that with that mentality of having two completely different quarterbacks. In the event that one of our guys goes down, the the guy that you prepared for is not coming out, and we're right. playing a completely that's, different ball game. But, you see, you saw that with you know RG three and Kirk Cousins. You saw that even you you mentioned Tom Brady. You know Jacoby Brissett when when um, Garoppolo went down, right. Jacoby Brissett moves moves around a lot, and you're right. And, and the uh, I don't even remember who we, who they were playing against, but it was like they didn't they didn't really have a response to that because they were not preparing for that when it came to the Patriots.
1: Right, and you're right, and and but a lot of that success is very short term. It's for a game or two at most, a season at most. At, well, I wouldn't even say a season because the minute the minute that quarterback becomes the starter, they are now game planning for him. And if they're game planning for a scrambling quarterback, and your offensive line isn't equipped to run with a sta- with a with a scrambling quarterback, it really sets you up for failure. And there's a lot of GMs and a lot of teams, like I said, that don't want to make that switch because they've they've seen that over the years. And so, his opportunities as far as teams that he could be a good backup fit are already small, right? Because Who could he fit with? I could see him fitting with maybe the Buffalo bills because Tyrod Taylor's of a similar type of style, you know, quarterback, uh, maybe even the Panthers with Cam Newton, kind of another, you know, quarterback that likes to scramble, but not very many teams out there that have that type of quarterback that he could fit in without any kind of, you know, seamless loss. So now. You've Seattle. Yeah. Okay. All right. There you go. Seattle. That's another and, one. And
0: I think it without delving too much into this, I think Seattle could be the best choice for him. You know, and I, I believe that they, they've spoken to him a couple of times just because Seattle is a very liberal city. Right. Uh, I think they kind of share the views uh more than not when it comes to you know his opinions and things right. like that and you know when it came to the same issues you know guys like Doug Baldwin and Richard Sherman stood up and said no we completely agree with that right. um so i i wouldn't downplay the okay. possibility of him
1: ending up in, in a and, and i could something. i could very well see that but what i'm what i'm getting at is his audience just on the player himself before the circus is small Right. Correct. So now you've narrowed it down to maybe, we'll just say a handful of teams, maybe five teams that would be willing to take the chance because his play has not been very good. Now you throw in the circus with that, and out of those five teams, how many teams want to bring that on? Whether you agree with him or not, how many teams want to bring that on and have that unnecessary, unnecessary attention to their backup quarterback— not even the starting quarterback. We're talking about somebody who sits on the sidelines with a clipboard, but he's got all that attention to him. Who wants to deal with that? I really don't. I mean, Seattle, you make sense. It was a good point. Uh, but I don't see it happening. Um, I see his next move in the CFL. Yeah, I think that's entirely possible. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks who haven't landed anywhere,
0: feel like it's almost a broken record at this point, but Ricky uh, Ricky <laughs> Tony Romo. Yeah. Well, uh, before we... Uh, Before we started podcasting, I saw an update from uh, ESPN. Mr. Romo, it appears, has had some attention from network television, CBS Sports, I believe, as well as uh, Fox Sports 1, interested in bringing Tony Romo on as a commentator. What are the chances that Tony Romo ends up as a commentator and not
1: a quarterback in the NFL anymore? Not a chance. The The only way it's a chance is if his only opportunity is to go to Jacksonville. That's the only way he ends up in the booth. Listen, <laughs>
0: you and you want to hate on my Jacksonville
1: idea, but
0: Tony Romo is a better quarterback than Blake Bortles, and he wants to play. He will uh, never be a will, Jaguar. He will,
1: he will be a Jaguar. Yeah. He will sit next to Troy Aikman in the Fox booth uh, before he's a Jaguar. Uh, I would hope that he just takes Troy Aikman's position, or that period. one or the other. <laughs> Oh, God, he's the worst. Him and Joe Buck together is like nails on a (laughs) chalkboard. He is pretty bad. But no, I I just think that, um, that that career is always going to be there for Tony, whether that happens this year, whether that happens three years from now. The one thing that's not going to be around forever is a chance to chase chase a championship, uh, which he has yet to do. And I think that if he gets the opportunity to go somewhere where he feels as though he has a shot, a legitimate shot in the next three years, which could be Denver, could be Houston, then I think he jumps on that chance. But if it's to go to somewhere mediocre or somewhere just to say that he's still playing in the NFL, I don't really see... That being enticing and that at that point, maybe he considers going to the booth just to avoid. I mean, who wants to take the the next couple of years, you know, pounding that he would take? He's always hurt anyway, unless it's worth a shot at going in a championship. Speaking of championships, we'll
0: move on and we will uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, not just the Orioles, but baseball in general. The World Baseball Classic just ended and
1: uh USA,
0: USA. Uh yeah, we just won, man. So uh, yeah, that is that is awesome pretty is that? awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm a little butt hurt because I feel like uh, people who maybe should have got the MVP didn't. Yeah, uh, or oh, right. maybe a one, Mister
1: Adam Jones. Yeah, I mean it's uh, I get it. Stroman, he had a no hitter through almost seven innings. He had a hell of an outing for the championship game, but it's a tournament MVP award. Right, it's not a exactly. one game award, and uh, granted, Adam Jones didn't have the highest average on the team, but every single hit that he had meant something. Yes, it, it was it was, it was, it was game changing, in some sort of way. Then the catch that he had to save the game. You know, what I mean, there's there are so many things that he did throughout the tournament that justified him winning that trophy. But I agree, eh, and even it is even it
0: second is. to him. And I I said this last week, and. I'll say it again, I hate the guy, but Hosmer had a great yeah. series as well. He's a yeah. douchebag. He has beautiful hair. But he, <laughs> he did more than than Strowman did as well. I get the whole no hitter up until the seventh, but I right. I don't think that I don't think one game warrants that much um nah. adoration. I, so
1: I agree with you. Hosmer had a great series. I think he batted close to like four hundred. Uh he was raking. Um, I hate clapping for that guy. Like, I feel like doing a little golf clap for him. Like, I just can't go full out cheer for that guy. Yeah, he's still a douchebag, <laughs> but he did have a hell of a tournament, and now I can go back to hating him as a as a royal. Yes,
0: absolutely. <laughs> uh, but uh, speaking of baseball, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk O's for a little bit.
1: All right. Well. Again, not a whole lot of news except for tonight. Trey Mancini, before I came in here, hit a three-run home run to tie this, the, the game against Minnesota. This is a guy that I told you last week. I hope they don't screw this up with this guy. I really don't. I I hate. I'm gonna hate seeing him on another team because they feel like there's not a spot for him here because they signed Chris Davis to this big deal, and you know it's not working for him in the outfield or whatever because of the logjam. I'm going to really hate seeing this guy succeed in another uniform. The guy just guys, has an amazing bat. Uh, he's ready now. Just hope they don't lose him. But even with that said, we're getting to the point where we're getting ready to cut down to the 25-man roster. And I was thinking about it earlier today. And actually, I, I wrote out like what my 25, 25-man roster is going to be and what I think who's going to make it. I'm not going to ask you to tell me what your 25-man roster would be. But if... You were Buck, and you had to write a lineup for tomorrow. What would it look like?
0: Um, I think it would look very similar to last year's lineup, one. I think leading off, you're going to have Machado. You're going to have—are we talking lineup, or are we talking just who's playing, who's starting? Lineup. Okay, so we got Machado, Jones, Davis, Trumbo. Let's see. You'll have Kim in the outfield. I think you'll have Scope, Hardy, and oh uh I forgot about Caleb Joseph I now I know how much they paid for an, another catcher this off season but I think that Baltimore honors their uh, their hometown boys not that he's a hometown boy but you, you know what I'm saying the guy that spent time right. in Baltimore that's paid his dues and I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Caleb Joseph get the start when it came to playing catcher for opening day
1: okay so yeah I think that rounds it out I think yeah it sounded I don't know if it was eight or nine but Okay, uh fair enough. I mean, it's like you said, very similar uh to last year. Um oh, I didn't I have I PD. didn't have a DH. So probably Alvarez DH. Alvarez DH. All right. I think if I had to do my lineup, it would be very similar again, same thing to last year. Uh, although I see because they're going against the first game. They're going against Marcus Stroman, just the guy that just pitched for the USA and Mm -hmm. (laughs) almost threw a no-hitter. He's a righty, so I think Joey Rickard will play left field and lead off. He's great against right-handed pitchers. Joey Baseball. Right. I think that he's our our closest guy that we have to a leadoff uh, hitter. I put Manny Machado in the two-hole playing third base. You put him in the two-hole? In the (laughs) two-hole. Adam Jones... Adam Jones batting third, playing center field. Chris Davis, the deputy, playing first and hitting cleanup. Mark Trumbo, I'm going to put him in right field, and I'll explain why. Again, against right-handed pitchers. Pedro Alvarez is a beast, and I see him hitting sixth as our DH. I do not see them giving the uh, old Baltimore hoorah to Caleb Joseph for uh, the opening day lineup. I see Wellington Castillo, who was another one for the Dominican team in the WBC, who did very well. I can see him doing good things here, and I think he'll hit seventh. I see Scope at the eighth hole uh, playing second base, and Hardy at short J. Hardy. Hardy, batting ninth. So that's my opening day roster. I'm hope I'm I'm really excited for the game. Which I will be down there. I'll be in section nine, row ten. So if you're there, come say hi. Uh, don't be afraid. Uh, I will. <laughs> well, also, you, might,
0: you might want to be afraid,
1: actually. Well, you may, because I will be at Pickles at probably nine thirty in the morning. So if you want me to remember who you are, you might want to come see me early. <laughs>
0: that's that's very true. Um, if <laughs> if If you want to him to remember who he is, you may want to show up early yeah, as right. well. Uh, um, I'm still debating when it comes to getting tickets. Uh, I may have stumbled into, uh, enough to warrant buying some tickets. Um, yeah, so, cause you I need I, to get your butt. I, down I sold there, some things, um, not drugs, just music stuff. <laughs> um, but, uh, so we'll see. I, I'm not, I just can't justify spending that much of money. I know it's opening day and it's a
1: whole thing right Um, it's just it's just a lot of money right now how many times do you come across free Oreo tickets a year i mean it happens to everybody so this one game you can't ante up and spend a little bit extra to get there for opening day yeah
0: i might do it i might do it just to see uh see my boy captain america um (laughs) i'll throw you on my shoulders and sneak you in oh thanks dad Uh, (laughs) um but uh speaking of captain america uh, what did you think about Adam Jones comments when it came to uh, the Puerto Rican team and and how he felt about them? Because it's drawing a lot of controversy. Maybe it was just that it's a slow news cycle and nothing's really happened. So they're just trying to give shit to someone. And that someone is Adam Jones. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't really think it's even the media that's hyping this one up. I think it's just I mean, the the voice of it has been uh, Yadier Molina. Right. You know, asking Adam Jones for an apology. But for what? I mean, the guy didn't say anything derogatory. No, not at all. The guy, the guy was the captain of the team. Even Jim Leland said, you know, that that Adam Jones was the leader uh, in the clubhouse. So, what do leaders do in a in a in a clubhouse? They look for bulletin board material. They look for newspaper clippings, things that they can hang their hat on to help motivate them. Yeah. Apparently, Adam Jones got wind that the Puerto Rican team had planned this, you know, parade and plan t-shirts ahead of time and all that stuff so he used it as a motivational type thing he didn't say anything derogatory about puerto rico didn't say anything derogatory about any of the players on the roster Mm-mm. so what the hell does he owe an apology for i, I don't understand it and 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 molina's response to it was
0: you know look at adam jones he 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 won and the next day he's back at training camp preparing for uh the major leagues where are we we're uh, in puerto rico partying right? with our fans and and being with our friends and family what does that say about you as a person and and us as a country well uh it says he's a hard worker right it's it tells me that you guys are losers one uh and two (laughs) it tells me that he is a multi-million dollar baseball player who i don't know he's earning his money i don't know if you know this but they made the playoffs a whole bunch lately and he's right. he's he's gunning for championships so maybe that's who he is maybe he doesn't want to just win the world baseball classic maybe he wants his team to win the world series maybe right
1: sorry he skipped out on the trip to disneyland yeah sorry that he
0: he hasn't dyed his hair blonde yet he'll get there
1: oh god what is that i, I felt know. like i had flashbacks to like 1998 with the uh, dirt bags with the blonde hair
0: do you think that the carpet matched the drapes
1: <laughs> uh i did not think that deep into it uh i was rather disgusted with uh did you see carlos beltrons like yes. beard yeah dude when I saw his beard, it reminded me of these He-Man figures I had when I was little with the little yellow beards yeah, and what mm-hmm. he looked like a He-Man figure he that I had when I was a kid. Uh, which I won't go into details about what I did with He-Man figures. What did, now, you, now you have
0: to. What did you do with He-Man figures? Well, I
1: mean, I had a neighbor who was a female and, you know, she had Barbies and I had He-Man. And, you know, we did things with He-Man and Barbies and Lincoln Logs. I don't know. Wait, where did the Lincoln Logs come into the... I don't... I don't uh, um, do you not know what... She, do you not know what, You build houses with Lincoln Logs. Yes, well, I know that. He-Man and, and Barbie have to have somewhere to lay. I mean, they got to have a house. So. <laughs> somewhere
0: to I, lay? What is, is this? Yeah. Is this biblical I, I would like to lay with you <laughs>
1: uh, that that's how the conversations went uh, i want to know you biblically uh, that's where this conversation ends uh, that's enough uh, you, no more details you doing
0: inappropriate things with your he-man uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, so well, let's round it out uh one last thing before we move on to uh some other stuff can we talk just for a minute about Brady Anderson, we joked earlier in the podcast that uh, yeah. we hope Brady's not listening. Uh, for those that may not know, can you can you break down just real quickly the Brady Anderson situation?
1: So, Brady Anderson, I, I, was a great player when he was here. Um, he had
0: amazing hair. I know that's I a thing. I know that's hair. a thing. That's a thing for me. Apparently, is just uh, you got to have good hair. And Brady Anderson and those sideburns, man. Like, for real, I'm not kidding you when I say that, like, when I was a little kid and I got my haircut, they'd be like, you want your sideburns off? And I said, no, Brady Anderson has sideburns. Uh, I think (laughs) we all went through
1: that as kids. Well, he was he was a great player when he was here and that type of thing. And he's been in the front office now for the past couple of years. He's, you know, the, the vice president of baseball operations for the team. Well, not only is he the vice president of baseball operations, but this guy has a locker in the locker room. That you know he will get in uniform and go out on the field and chum it up with the players and practice and you know and 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 help coach because the, he's the he's thing, in
0: just as good shape if not better shape than which some he's other a, He's in that's, great shape. It's, Nobody's it's questioning insane.
1: that, and he doesn't need to prove it to the world. I mean, you can see just by looking at him, the guy's in great shape. Okay, cool. But the thing is, he doesn't really have a defined role within the organization, and I think that's something that kind of rubs people the wrong way. He's He's really close to Peter Angelos, right? And Brady doesn't have anybody in the organization that he reports to. He doesn't report to Buck. He doesn't report to Dan. He reports to Peter Angelos. So a lot of people within the organization feel as though that he can just run amok and do as he wants and say what he wants uh, without any kind of worry about repercussion or losing his job. And it really rubbed. Uh Don cheaty and Dave Wallace, our, our former pitching coach and bullpen coach, the wrong way, hence why they're not here anymore. They're both in, in Atlanta, and they said in interviews that a big part of the reason they're not here is because of Brady. And not that they don't like Brady the person. It's just the fact that, you know, when it came to developing pitchers for these guys, you know, that's... These guys are old. These guys have been around the league for a long time. They're professionals at what they do. That's why they're a bullpen coach. That's why they're a pitching coach. And Brady has never pitched, but Brady felt as though he had the ability to go down and talk to pitchers about things that they were doing and maybe not doing something that Dom Chidi was telling them to do, try this, and you know, giving them different pointers and all that stuff, which some of the players appreciate, but A lot of the coaches don't. And it's really rubbed some people in the organization the wrong way. Uh, And that's really it in a nutshell as far as what's going on with Brady.
0: Is, uh, Is he, who's the character in Major League? Was it? What was his name? Roger Dorn. Roger Dorn. Yeah. Is he the Roger Dorn of the Orioles where he's very similar? He's the old guy that comes and suits up and thinks he still has got what it takes to, you know, be in the MLB and everything. Right. That's
1: exactly. That's exactly what that's a very good comparison. Yes. He is the Roger Dorn (laughs) of the Baltimore Orioles. (laughs) Oh,
0: man. Oh, Brady, if you're listening to this, which you probably are because you have spies everywhere. Um, (laughs) I just well, want you to know that you were the closest thing I had to a childhood hero because <laughs> uh number eight just didn't do it for me. And I was always oh, a Brady man. Anderson fan for some reason. Hey,
1: I, I'm definitely a Brady Anderson fan. I, I have nothing against the guy. I just think that, no, like okay. I said, yeah, certain I people just don't know how to, to, to take him and take his role. But on to something more serious that I was uh, thinking about over the past mm-hmm. couple of days. And I wanted to, uh, to ask, by, ask you and run by you. We, we, we talked about it a little bit last week with Machado's contract getting ready to come up and how much money it's going to take to sign Machado and that type of thing and whether the Orioles are going to be able to do it or not. So f- for a minute, put on your GM hat and you are starting a team from scratch or you're rebuilding a team from scratch and you've got the opportunity to sign Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, both of which are going to get three hundred to $350 million, so the price and the money really doesn't play into a factor. But if you were going to build your team around one of those players, which one would it be and go?
0: I don't get both. No, no, I you definitely say I can't say both. Do you
1: have $650 million or $700 million? Because that's what you're going to take. Right.
0: Um, <laughs> I would go Bryce Harper. Okay, and uh, and here's why. I think Bryce Harper is not only a great offensive player, but I think that he is, you know, a, a solid, serviceable defensive player. But more than that, I think he is the face of an organization. Wherever he goes, that's Bryce that Harper's team. Of his. Yeah, he is he's the like we talked about with the Ravens, you know, looking for that guy. He is the guy that's in commercials. He is the guy that's, you know, getting cameos in movies. He's in Ted 3 for some reason because Tom Brady <laughs> didn't want to be in it. Bryce Harper is this this uh this charismatic enigmatic guy that I think teams um can get behind organizationally. Now, that being said, I know that he has Some of his uh, his lesser moments, I guess you could say. Yeah. But I I find that entertaining, man. I think when he runs his mouth, it's hilarious. I I, I, for for whatever reason, like when he runs his mouth, I feel the same way that I felt uh, when Ray Lewis did it. Like right. it, I just, I like it and he doesn't even play for our team, but for whatever reason, I, I really enjoy Bryce Harper. I know a lot of people don't, but uh, if I were to sign one of them, I would sign Bryce Harper on, on an organizational business type contract. Also knowing full well that he's going to crush home runs all the time and, mm. and be an awesome player.
1: I, I am like in total shock right now. I mean, I, <laughs> I get it, but I really don't, I don't understand it. I i Did not expect you to go that way. So for obvious reasons, uh, I would would go with Manny Machado and totally disagree with you. I get what you're saying from a marketability standpoint. You know, he's already got the deal with Under Armour and that kind of stuff. Bryce Harper's the face that you see and that type of stuff. He he does have a very marketable persona, I guess you could say. Uh, Whereas Manny's, he's got the deal with Jordan, but you don't really see him on the commercials and that type of thing yet. Uh, not to say that that can't happen to him down the road, but the thing I can't stand about Harper is exactly what you were just saying. Like he's that rah rah player, but he's rah rah towards the wrong people. He's getting in his own teammates' faces and he's yelling at them. And it's not a it's not a motivational like yeah you're the best you know a, let me smack you in the head like Ray Lewis would t- you know type thing he would do. This this he is like Bryce Harper is about Bryce Harper. You know, and and that's what I can't stand about him. Now, I'm not saying that that can't change, and it could be just because he's young and maybe, you know, when he matures a little bit, that will change. But you don't see that with Manny. You know, with Manny, you see how he interacts with Jonathan Scope. You see how he interacts with Adam Jones. These guys are laughing, and they love to be around this guy. And and you can see him year in and year out start taking a little bit more leadership on. Obviously, he's not stepping on Adam Jones' toes because he knows this is Adam Jones' team for now. But you can see where, if you were building a team, he could very easily step in, be a leader. And, you know, when we talk about... On the field play you're talking about a guy who they 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 kind of go comparable as far as average goes they're they're always going to be around that two eighty to three hundred hitter type thing so they they're comparable that way. I even think home runs are going to be comparable at least for now, but once Manny really grows into his body once you know he's he's pretty young <laughs> still, so once he matures a little bit more down the road um I think you're gonna see those numbers increase to somewhere between like thirty five and forty five consistently. Oh, you sound like a creepy uncle.
0: Where it's like, Oh, you've really grown into your body. <laughs> you are taking you know this that, in a totally you, different you know way that, than you know I, that, I, I mean. You know it. who I'm talking about too. You know like either it's it's either like a creepy uncle or like your dad's friend where it's like, gosh, Oh, gosh, you've grown so like that?
1: Hey, hey there, paper boy. <laughs> <laughs> You've grown a
0: lot since the last time that I saw you. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> I, that's exactly what you just reminded
1: me of. I mean, on, it's it's, it's creepy it's, old guy. He's just he's he's growing into his man body. He's becoming a man. <laughs> Jesus. Does that not work? Does that uh, no, does that not make it any better? Uh, growing into his man body. Uh, <laughs> he gross. is. Every year he gets a little bit bigger. He gets a little bit stronger. His numbers improve. I mean, if you go back and you look at his rookie year and his first his first full season and you look at how many doubles that he hit, and everybody kept saying, once this guy gets a little bit bigger, once he grows into his body a little bit more, those doubles are going to turn into home runs, which they have, and now you're going to see that even more in the next couple of years. Then, when you talk about defense, with Bryce Harper, he's a right fielder. You can find a right fielder anywhere. They're a dime a dozen. There's nothing special about Bryce Harper in the outfield. Manny Machado is a platinum glove winner at third or shortstop. Two of the most difficult positions to play in baseball, and he's the best of the best at two positions whichever one you want to put him at so if you're building a team you've got options with this guy in two of the most difficult positions and you're going to pay him the same money that you would pay Bryce Harper who is a dime a dozen in right field he can't play anywhere else at a major league level so I think the obvious choice is Manny Machado yeah it's obvious with his giant man body that you
0: love so much (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's getting really uh, okay. awkward uh well you're the one that loves man bodies anyway moving on uh we will talk uh just a, a short bit about uh some ncaa basketball
1: yeah so uh right now obviously we're we're trying to eliminate teams down to the elite eight it is friday night at about 11 o'clock so right now we know six of the eight teams that are going to advance Gonzaga and oregon won their matchups yesterday as they were able to beat West Virginia and Michigan and Michigan in uh, two very exciting games to watch. Kansas blew out Purdue, which I kind of expected to see that happen. I think that's uh, who you're holding on hope for uh, Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And the Cinderella team advances on to the elite eight Uh, Xavier comes away with the two point victory against the two seed Arizona, uh, which Makes me feel a lot better about the Terps. Xavier was a team the Terps lost to in the first round. So mm-hmm. not only have they beat the six-seeded Terps, but now they've beaten the third-seeded Florida State Seminoles, which they blew them out, and they beat the second-seed Arizona Wildcats. So I definitely underestimated them, obviously, and I'm, I'm kind of rooting for them now.
0: Yeah, I think it's nice to – I mean, if your team's going to lose, you might as well hope that the team that beat them – goes all the way then there's some kind of vindication at least you know well the guys that won it all they're the ones that beat us so of course they you know of course they beat us right uh, so i think there's that aspect to it as well as uh, the fact that uh little less known probably earlier than now is that uh bill murray's son is the assistant coach for xavier Really? So you gotta vote. It one, it is a legitimate Cinderella story if Bill Murray is involved, right? Uh, (laughs) And 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 you can't not root for Bill Murray. No, absolutely. Please tell me you've seen Caddyshack. Yes, of course I've seen Caddyshack. It's a great movie. Just making sure you're not that old, (laughs) and I'm not that young. I'm just making sure whatever dude anyway uh so i i mean as much as i would like to maybe see them go all the way just because i love bill murray i i think kansas and north carolina are probably going to be in the final what about you
1: well yeah that's that's what i see uh kansas north carolina especially considering tonight uh the tar heels took out butler which i thought might be a hiccup in the road for them that was that was a close game uh i think they ended up winning by eight maybe or 10 tonight uh I ex- I expected that to be a close game. But then the in the upset of the night, South Carolina, the Gamecocks blew out Baylor. <laughs> you said Gamecocks. I did. I had to throw that in there. You know, I didn't say Baylor Bears, but I did say South Carolina Gamecocks. <laughs> Any chance you get it saying Gamecocks, you have to say it. So oh, the seven man. seed upsets uh, Baylor uh, in a game that I, I did not see that coming. So now we just got to wait for the later games, which are playing now, which is UCLA and Kentucky should be a great game. I want to go watch that when we're done here. And then the late game is the Wisconsin and Florida.
0: all right so i guess all that we have left is uh nhl which is uh which is good news the caps they uh they made it into the playoffs first team to make it into playoffs
1: right yeah and uh since last week they've gone 4-0 they've had wins over the lightning the flames the blue jackets uh so that puts them at 48 17 and 8 uh at 106 points so they're just ahead of the uh of the, of the Penguins for first place in the NHL. Uh, So they're playing good. They're starting to get their act together, which is what we wanted to see. And uh, I'm excited. Uh, I'm sure Ted Leonis uh, is excited. And he actually uh, was reading an article speaking of Leonis earlier today. And he made mention that if Baltimore was to invest in the Royal farms arena or build a new arena that he would be open to having the caps and the whiz play 10 games a year in Baltimore, would you be excited to see something like that happen? Hell yeah. I think that'd be awesome.
0: Right. Uh, I would have no problem uh, driving down to the arena and watching, you know, the Caps play a game or, or the Wizards play a game. Uh, you know, I feel kind of inconvenienced when I have to drive down to D.C. for literally anything. You have to drive <laughs> on 295 and you got to get on the Beltway, and nah, D.C. traffic is awful. Traffic and parking and worrying that someone's going to shoot and kill you. Uh, which you pretty much have to worry about when you're going to say anyway. streets are not but, safe uh, here in baltimore <laughs> <laughs> but at least they're the devil that we know right yeah uh so no I, I i think it'd be awesome i would absolutely love to see that that being said uh i'm not necessarily holding my breath i think the city has a lot that it's uh focusing on when it comes to the future uh, i don't necessarily see them building a new arena okay. uh maybe maybe renovating the current arena right but i think that's a big maybe so i mean i mean who knows i i would love it i not and i'm sure let all of the city would love it i know that baltimore you know as much as people hate saying it they're they're a two sports city you, right. you can't you can't really get a basketball team here you're not exactly not do well and um, it, so, it, why not bring them bring them up here?
1: Right, and as a Caps and a Wizards fan uh, in Baltimore, and never having the uh, the local basketball or you know hockey team here, I, I would be go bullets. Yeah, I'd be all for it <laughs> uh, to bring them up here. Now, just to give the listeners a little bit of background on Ted Leonis, so Ted Leonis owns the Caps, he owns the Wizards, and he owns both arena football teams. Baltimore and Washington. Uh, So he has stake here in Baltimore. There's a reason that he's looking at this Baltimore arena and wanting to see. Dude, when
0: that arena team starts playing – we're gonna have so many interviews with all of their players because they're gonna get paid like eleven thousand dollars a year, <laughs> and they're gonna they're gonna let anybody interview them.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for the Arena Football League. I, I like watching on TV, man. Dude, it's a lot of fun. Pay pay ten dollars, 10,
0: 15 bucks, go watch a game. Right, and you know, yeah, absolutely. Why not?
1: Right, but I I feel as though that this this thing is a real possibility. I mean, I when you look at the numbers, the Baltimore Arena for its size is one of the top five grossing arenas of its size in the country. So it's still bringing in money. It's very profitable. And all this would do is boost that. Yeah, and I, I, I guarantee you they would sell out those games. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it's a.
0: I think it's a 15,000-person arena. Right. They would absolutely sell those games out in a heartbeat if they were to do something like that. Right. So I, I don't have a problem with it. I think it'd be fantastic for the city, fantastic for igniting local sports even more. I couldn't agree more. All right. Well, we have come to that portion of the program, our friends. Well, I'm ready for this one. I'm ready to run. I I know. You have been chomping at the bit for this. You've been messaging me all week. (laughs) Like, I got this for the two minute warning, got that for the two minute warning. I'm ready. Uh, Because it's just news that's not necessarily as important or it's just really short. So, that being
1: said, this is the two minute warning. All right. For you soccer fans out there, this is your one and only mention for the year. The blaster back in the major arena soccer league (laughs) championship going for back-to-back championships Um, on to next year. We will see you again. Hopefully at this point, hopefully we'll talk about you one more time next year, next year at the same time for
0: going for three Uh, your annual (laughs) mention on our podcast,
1: right? (laughs) The bears, all you get the bears sign running back, Benny Cunningham from the Rams. I think it's a good signing for them. Quick uh, running back out of the backfield. Uh, the Dolphins extended Kiko Alonso four years, which I think was a reported $18.5 million. That's a very smart move on the Dolphins, uh, Dolphins end to, to keep him around and keep him in the fold. Josh, Plus he has a really good name. <laughs> Josh McCown signed a one-year deal with the Jets. Mark Sanchez signed with the Bears. So where does that put Jay Cutler, the CFL? uh working at joe's crap shack yeah either uh, that or smoking the- joe's like camel uh <laughs> cigarettes one or the other Ugh. the coltside side kamar aiken uh, I don't really see a whole lot of uh, sense in that move for him unless he just didn't have any other options. He's going to go there and be a number three or four receiver, just like he was here. Uh, so I don't really see him being any more productive than he would have been here. Um, the Bengals signed Kevin Minter, uh, free agent linebacker from Arizona, good speed, good athleticism. I think that's a good under the radar signing for him. There was an Anquan bolding sighting in Baltimore. He was at Jimmy's seafood over the weekend Uh, I think it had a lot to do with like a a, a fundraiser for Tory Smith. I just hope they keep Anquan Bolden away from any kind of pens and papers and contracts while he's here. Um, Manti Teo signed a two-year deal with the Saints, which I heard his girlfriend is very happy about. Oh, I see what you did there. You like that? I did. Giant sign running back Shane uh Sean Drawn, which I'm sure you're Ooh, and I'm sorry.
0: We are out of time on the two minute warning. Oh man, really? Oh yeah, you talk
1: too much. Uh uh, I'll let you I'll let you go over. You can say the rest (laughs) of the stuff. Wow, that's surprising. Uh you're just real slow. Apparently. Either that or you chime in too much. Cam Newton Cam Newton suffered a uh, partially torn rotator cuff and is having surgery. He's going to be out 3 to 4 months. Um, douche. <laughs> and in final news, We couldn't go another show without mentioning Tim Tebow again. Oh, yay. I love him so much. (laughs) Tim Tebow was assigned to the Mets low class A team, the Columbia Fireflies. So at 29 years old, Tebow will be playing in a league equivalent to the Ironbirds with teammates (laughs) 18 and 19 years old. Way to go, Tim Tebow. you made it, Tim. Uh, Fun
0: fact, the Aberdeen Ironbirds, that was my first job. Nice. Working concessions. Yep. Were you holding Cal Ripkin's nutsack? Was that what you were doing there? Listen, that was where I learned to. <laughs> hate. I have so many stories. Maybe we should save uh, them for another podcast. Yeah, let's save that for another podcast. How this much I don't good. care for Cal Ripkin, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll maybe address that in another podcast because we have reached the end of the show, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and thank you for listening. Uh, if you like the show please be sure to go over to social media and like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. If you really, really like the show and you are listening on the iTunes podcast app, please just take a quick second to go ahead and review the show. The more reviews we get that are positive, it's going to bump us up in charts and more people are going to be able to hear us and listen to us and share in our bullshittery uh, together. (laughs) So, uh, again, you know, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, This has been very fun, as it is always. Uh, Fred, you have anything else?
1: No, I think that's it. You've covered it all, so. All right. Well, until next week, I am Matt Talley. And I'm Fred Donahue. Good night, everybody. I'm
0: going to go grab a popsicle. Hey there, paper boy. It's time to snuggle.